This is Z-Feed in your ears. We're an independent media company bringing context and critical thinking to the news, social issues and pop culture. This podcast brings you the audio version of our articles and essays. For those who prefer to listen and maybe multitask instead of reading words on a screen, you can find the text version of this piece on zfeed.com.au. The Gap in Quiet Quitting and Work-Life Balance for Women of Colour by Simran Pazritja. You probably already know about quiet quitting, the poorly named rejection of hustle culture, a trend that encourages a more balanced attitude towards work. While this style of acting your wage makes sense, sounds positive and seems easily achievable, browsing through quiet quitting posts and opinion pieces revealed there aren't many people of colour speaking on this topic. Most of the current quiet quitting advocates are white. It's an angle that's been missed. Who really gets to achieve work-life balance? The stats show it's always been more difficult for women of colour. In Australia, women from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds spend up to eight years longer in middle management roles compared to women from Anglo or European backgrounds. As the last ones hired and most often passed over for promotion, we can't afford to be caught cruising on the job, even if what the boss considers cruising is above average performance. Quiet quitting and achieving work-life balance requires financial stability. White women are slowly but surely approaching pay parity with white men. So, as advocate Kimberly Seals Allers puts it, white women are calling for time to mother. But because black women and women of colour are paid even less, forget about asking for time, we're still asking for the money, not just to mother, but to live. When it comes to how much more money is needed, the UK and US do a better job of conducting intersectional workplace research. In the UK, the average gender pay gap is about 10%, but for women of colour, it's as high as 28%. In the US, black women are paid 36% less than white men and 20% less than white women on average. Australia's current pay gap is 14.1% and is estimated to be up to twice as high for non-white women, but as our data does not account for racial background, it's impossible to know for sure. There are other indicators we can look at, though. The Australian Bureau of Statistics found white women are 12% more likely to be employed than women from migrant backgrounds. Non-Indigenous women have a median income of $800 per week, compared to just $650 per week for Indigenous women. Under these circumstances, who can afford to be a quiet quitter? There are also traditional cultural expectations that impact the reality of work-life balance for women of colour. The responsibility to be the main parent and domestic manager often extends beyond the immediate family to wider community care roles. While these community-centric cultures can be helpful when it comes to finding childcare for work, the weight of cultural and professional expectations still falls on just one person. And just as women who enter male-dominated industries feel the responsibility to be positive female representation for all, women of colour feel the added pressure to be a model minority. We don't want to squander future opportunities for the other women who will come after us by being perceived as difficult, lazy or not a team player. With the financial and cultural risk being so much greater, quiet quitting is not really an option for women of colour. Then there is the question of how higher income white women are able to achieve that work-life balance. Having more time is made possible by outsourcing specific types of labour to others, people who deliver your groceries, clean your houses and look after your children. Women of colour and immigrants are heavily represented in domestic worker ranks. 
In the US, they are 54% of the domestic workforce. In Australia, only one in five skilled migrants have their overseas qualifications recognised for employment, which forces them into low-paying domestic and service work like hospitality, cleaning, childcare and aged care. With a lot of the household and caring duties covered by these women of colour, higher-income white women have the privilege to freely pursue hobbies, seek out educational or professional opportunities. This helps them rise through the ranks faster, earning the pay and flexible work options that add up to a better work-life balance. It's parallel to the way that white men built their wealth, financial security and success by offloading caring and domestic work to their wives. Even the way we conceptualise work-life balance and quiet quitting puts the focus on corporate salaried professionals who are more likely to be white while ignoring low-wage workers, particularly black and brown women. Flexible work options and the idea of prioritising productivity instead of hours worked doesn't really apply to cleaners, labourers, supermarket factory and warehouse workers, fruit pickers, carers, the list is long. Before they even dream of work-life balance, low-wage workers are still asking for the basics. A decent wage, affordable housing and childcare, family health and mental health leave, and adequate staffing. As a non-white woman in a predominantly white country, we are too often taught that the only way to succeed is through struggle. We may be hesitant to take advantage of work perks, worried that we'll look weak, less committed, or like we need help. The notion of taking time off or even setting boundaries honestly just seems weird. The concept of putting ourselves first is so foreign. Women of colour are expected to rise above their own trauma to save every other living person. But we are worth saving too. To achieve better balance and peace, we do have to shift our mindsets and those of our families to embrace our right to rest, direct our own lives and experience joy. It's amazing to see how young women of colour are slowly but surely driving that change. Bigger changes must also come from employers and policymakers who set the standards of work for all. Women of colour must be consulted in the decision-making on work-life balance initiatives. How can you establish supportive policies without consulting those in need of the most support? While things like employer-supported exercise, meditation and four-day work weeks are attractive to those high-income and mostly white workers, lower-earning workers of colour have more fundamental asks, and they deserve balance, comfort and time just the same. Thanks for listening to ZFeed Audio. If this piece made you think, helped you understand, or introduced you to a new point of view, there are a few ways you can support us. Our work is meant to be discussed. Share this episode or the article with a friend and get talking. You can also subscribe, follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and Twitter, or support us on Patreon. That's all for now. Time to give your brain a break.